Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. Uh, we are nerds and you probably are too. Uh, I'm Pete. I'm Bob. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm a little tired. Okay. Um, everybody knows, we've said this enough times, but we tend to record a little bit in advance of when you mm. uh, hear it, right? Mm. So yep. um, last night I went to the garden and saw Roxy music Hell and yeah. it was great. And but the only problem is I'm old now, and when I get home at like one thirty in the morning, it's a problem for the rest of the week. So yeah, one thirty in the morning, one thirty in the morning at twenty two, like nothing. Like I'm nothing. sitting down, maybe I'll eat a bowl of ice cream. I'm watching a movie. Like what's going on? What's the I'm, what's the move? I'm texting <laughs> yeah, you have, someone. You have a snack? Oh, I'm chilling. I'm like yeah, just like oh yeah, I'll, I'll hit. I'll 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 mess around for an hour, hour and a half, and I'll, I'll wrap it by three, and I'm fine by 8 a.m., maybe even earlier. Yep. Yo, 1 a.m.? Yo, one one thirty a.m., I only see that time now, rare circumstances like that, and if I'm like, oh, I woke up in the middle of the night, man, I've been asleep for like four and a half hours already. Whew. Exactly. I thought about that as I was going to bed. I was like, under normal circumstances, <laughs> I am asleep for three and a half hours at this point, but yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's uh, cool. It was worth it. And, and the show was good. Show was great. Um, the band sounded really good. I, I'm not a super fan like that. This, this mm-hmm. was actually a gift for my wife because I bought her tickets to see Bauhaus in 2019. Oh. Yeah, and that show was canceled and rebooked three times uh-huh. um, due to COVID and other circumstances. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was supposed to happen last Thursday, and then Peter Murphy checked yep. himself into rehab. Oh, and canceled the whole tour. So oh. Roxy Music was a few nights away, and I was like, there were some decently priced tickets on StubHub, and I was like, hey, here's a three year late uh christmas present and we went you gotta make the move i love it yeah so that's pretty good but but apparently it was um it was brian ferry you know Mm -hmm. the original singer obviously Mm -hmm. and kind of the roxy music guy and then they had i think it was the original saxophonist keyboard no sorry drummer and guitar player so it was like four dudes who were in the og lineup yeah. And they sounded great. There was like huge production value on stage, which was very cool. Um, and uh, they played all the hits, man. It was fun. It was no, the, one, the one thing, though, is um, it was very interesting because there was some tension between the, I'll say, like plus 50 crowd. Okay. Who, like Roxy Music or just their band and they yeah, were yeah. there stoked. Yeah, they, they you know? it. They've been there since day one, right? Yeah, they don't go to shows very often. They were stoked for Roxy Music. And then like the 25 to 35 age range where, you know, big venues like that, depending on the show, you're standing up in the seats. And if, <laughs> if one person is standing up, everyone kind of has to stand up because then right. you can't see, right? So a lot of tension between the 25 to 35s who wanted to stand up and dance oh, and, yeah. and the, the 45, 50 plus who like, were hey, not I'm interested in standing down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I was, I was leaning towards the 45 plus <laughs> crowd. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Not much of a dancer right. myself, but I get um, you. But it was interesting. Like, like actual, like yelling where I was oh, like, am wow. I going to see a fight at a Roxy music show? This is going to be crazy. <laughs> damn. Damn. Yeah. I'll, I, I went to see Roxy music and all I got was a bloody nose. Exactly. New, new shirts. Who knew? Who knew? Um, well, yo, I'm pretty excited. We've got, uh, we've got a fun one today. Something we haven't done of the type, this ilk before. We um, have not. And, and Pete, by the way, behind the curtains, Pete and I are actual like real life tight bros and I haven't talked to him because we've had recording stuff. This is the first time we're recording again, you know, magic of podcasting. This <laughs> is the first time we're recording in a minute, like like a month, right? Yeah, easily Damn. a month. Yeah. And I'm just psyched to be I'm just psyched to be here, man. I'm just psyched to be here. Um yo, what are we doing today? This is a new thing. I know, I feel out of practice, but it's going to be good. This is is, um, a soundtrack. We've never done a soundtrack. I know. Uh, And I'm actually super excited um, to do soundtracks because I don't want to call them a lost art. They're not a lost art, but they're sort of a lost medium 
because these used to be this weird like sampler. Like this was a mainstream sampler. This is a way people discovered music and songs and it was kind of a big deal <clears throat> to be on a soundtrack. It meant you had placement in a film, but then even more so the soundtrack. Yo, Pete, I got into a grip of bands because of soundtracks. Same. You know? Yeah. And so I think this one this one's kind of an important one. I think it was an entry point for some. It sort of is its own little placement, its own little niche as well because um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of meta in this weird way. We'll kind of get more into it. Pete, what soundtrack did we choose for our very, very first one? Uh, the movie Singles. All right. First and foremost, what are your feelings on the movie Singles? So I'm not going to lie. and This might paint kind of Oh, my whole my my feels oh, about I this whole thing. Hear this. What are you going to say right now? I mean, I was late to the game. I just I saw this for the first time three years ago. Pete, here's the deal: we are just too young for this movie. Yeah, yo, in 1992, Fact. which is when this movie came out, I was 11. Yeah, I was uh, eight. Nah. Oh, I yo! I even, don't even think I was eleven. I can't even do I was, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was eight. I was eight-ish. You're right. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't even eleven. But yo, this is not. Um, this was not a movie for ten-year-olds. What's this the was, first? I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's the first soundtrack uh, you ever had? Oh wow, yo! That's such a good question. Mm. Wow. I can go first if you if, if yeah you go need some first time. go first. I got to think about it for a minute. I bought the Jurassic Park tape. And the oh, Ace Ventura oh, yeah. tape, in the same uh, in the same, same purchase purchase that Ace, yeah. Ace Ventura soundtrack was early. I I knew that one. Great Cannibal Corpse song. Fuck, yo, this might be. Damn. All right, <laughs> let me just check something. I believe. Wow. All right. Um. Good goddamn. <laughs> um. Uh, don't laugh too hard. Oh, it's all good. Encino Man soundtrack. Sick, dude. That's perfect. So ninety-two. Uh, you know what though? That's not even true. Wayne's World might have predated it. Okay. The Wayne's World soundtrack was big, um, partially because like, yo, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I have a vivid memory of sitting at my. Is Wayne's Wayne's World's before? Uh, yeah, I think Wayne's World is before Encino Man. Um, I would have guessed the opposite. Those, but I think it's, they're, it's, they're it's very close. close. Wayne's yeah. World 92 as well. I think I had Wayne's World first because of Bohemian Rhapsody and because of that scene from the movie. I was in fifth grade, entering fifth grade in 92 to 93, then sixth grade, 93, 94. That's right. Um, sitting at lunch sitting at a lunch table and me and every single one of my friends knew all the words of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> and we sang it and it was loud and it was fun. and Amazing. Yeah, yo, shout out to Wayne's World. Um, but <laughs> we're not here to talk about Wayne's World. We're talking about Singles, which is a good movie. Um, yeah, I thought it was solid to answer yeah, your question. it's good. Yeah, it was it's a fun. Good movie. Yeah, it's cool. It's a yeah. good movie. I, I um, just feel like those movies, you if you don't see them at the time, you just kind of miss the boat. Yeah. You know, so uh, like I watched it and I was like, yeah, I guess if I was like in my early 20s, kind of in college watching this at the time, I might really like it. But I'm now like 30 plus watching it just kind of to catch up on things. Yep. 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 And it was, it was cute. It was fine. It's like, yo, we're going to ask the question does this belong to a time and place? Yes. It's like a definitive <laughs> document of a time and place. You know, like what right, the hell are exactly. we talking about here? Yeah. Um, so uh yeah, that's that's singles. If you want to get a feel for I guess what Seattle was like, but maybe not really, and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, you can, but if you really want to get a feel for what the world at large thought Seattle was like, then watch this movie. This is yeah. what the perception was. Like, oh, this is man, Seattle's this like grunge town. It's so cool. And everywhere, everywhere is a coffee shop, you know, um, <laughs> had that kind of energy. I so, do. I mean, it does seem yeah. fairly early though, right? The movie came out in 1992. Yeah. I mean, that's so early. It, so it did like kind of help kickstart the thing. 
which is which is interesting to me. Like, yes, I feel like this movie should have if if you just asked me point blank, like when did singles come out? I would have said 94, maybe. Yep. So 92 is earlier than I would have expected. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I thought it was 92. 92 was early. I would have said 93. I would have said 93, but not later than 94. But when you look at this, filming began on March 11th, 91. So when they started, they were really like right in the mix. Yeah. Um, to give context to the movie, and, and we'll get into it, um, Pearl Jam 10 comes out in 92, I think. Yeah, because yeah, the, the Pearl Jam songs on this are the first Pearl Jam songs, correct? First Pearl Jam songs kind of like, yeah. Like predate 10. Yeah. Oh, no. 10 no? released in August 91. Okay. Oh, 91. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But these songs, these songs were big. So, well, one of the two is big. Um, but it's early. It's early. It's early. Um, 92 Pearl Jam's bumping. So I'm, I'm kind of like breezing through. 92... Pearl Jam's on SNL, does their Unplugged. Okay. They're on Lollapalooza. Um, Lollapalooza 92. We should just do an episode talking about Lollapalooza 1992 just for shits and jokes. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and then then singles, you know. So, um, And they're in the movie. So that's a big thing. So in this movie about the Seattle grunge scene, they have a bunch of dudes from these bands. So... Um, you have Chris Cornell in the movie. You have Eddie Vedder. You have, uh, you know, other members of Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone Gossard and Jeff are in it. Uh, Allison Chains and Soundgarden are in it as well. So there's a bunch of, like, people in the movie uh, from the world. And it's largely kind of, like, exploring, like, not a scene, but kind of supposed to be set in that world. Um, mm-hmm. So there you go. You know, Citizen Dick. There we go. Um, Touch me, I'm Dick. <laughs> um, so, so neither of us is going like, yo, we are single supers fans. We're we're too young for it. It's cool. You should go look at it. It it really, really is kind of time and place. But uh, it's cool. I think it's I think it's a neat thing. Um, I'm not gonna lie, dude. Yeah. Like I think five years ago, this got the kind of reissue treatment. I think it was the 25 year anniversary or something. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. 25 years. And everyone on all these message boards that I read and, you know, on the internet, were so excited about it. And I was like, I've heard of this soundtrack, but I never even knew that it was that important. It was one yeah. of those moments where I was like, I just, I completely missed the boat on this one. And then I kind of like did my, I backtracked and checked it out. Yeah. And then Gina, you know, my wife was like, you've never seen singles. You should obviously see that movie. <laughs> And then we watched the movie and it was yep. fine. Yeah. I, I think um, all of us are just a touch too young. If I brought this up to Amanda, who I think is uh, my, my significant other, who's a couple years younger than us. Um, she's just like, wait, what? She'd yeah, have no yeah. idea what the hell this is. <laughs> she barely right. like, she can identify Pearl Jam if it comes on. But if I was, did the like douchebag, like name a song. I don't know if she could name a Pearl Jam song. Right. And like, you know, you like, and I look at the track list and we know we at least can know the bands and can put it all together. Whereas like one or two years younger than us, you might not even be able to do that. Doesn't. And it's like, yeah. why does that even, what, what is this? What is this world? So, um, <laughs> I, as a, um, too young for first wave grunge, but old enough to think it was really cool. This was people, these were people and things I looked up to and thought were pretty cool while also being able to note, like, I don't know if this version of them is the real thing. Um, and I think we kind of get that, but the soundtrack was a big deal. Um, soundtrack turned out to be like a, uh, kind of early compilation of these things, big exposure. Cause it's a movie. So, Hey, this gets pushed out. And serves as, you know, like I said, it's it's like a compilation of a bunch of these bands. Um, was this your first time, like, really diving into the soundtrack? Uh, no, only because I listened to it when I first watched the movie. Okay. But it was yeah. probably the second time. Okay. Um, I think we'll try to keep format much the same as we do on our regular episodes. 
when we talk about this, but but it's a soundtrack, so it's different. So there's not like context of like a lot of things, but we can say why this mattered. It was capturing what was the biggest thing in music and like not for nothing. It's There's two things that go on in the early 90s in terms of music. One is grunge. And two is rap. Mm-hmm. Um, gangster rap. You know, I, I don't think it feels like such a weird thing to say in 2022. But <laughs> those are two things that were going on. Grunge and rap. Exploding. So this is a movie that nascently just basically covers one of these two things that matters. And, and not for nothing, it was one of the biggest things in pop culture. It was impacting fashion. It was impacting style and, and the way people talked. And also just like it was a big departure from the way music was beforehand and like what was commercially successful and viable. Here's a soundtrack based around it. Here's a movie based around it. So um, that's why it matters. I am excited to talk about it. Do you have any big thoughts or theses that you want to in, like uh, introduce before we get into it and talk about track by track. I mean, not really. I think we'll we'll get to it in the track by track. The only thing that was notable for me is I am a replacements fan, mm. and this soundtrack is notable because Paul Westerberg from the Replacements. I I think this was the first songs that he had done as a solo solo artist when the Replacements broke up. Yep. Um. So yeah, notable for that. So notable for that. Um, okay, uh, early showcase for some bands, and it it tried to mostly be Seattle stuff. Um, Paul Westerberg and Smashing Pumpkins were the exceptions, but um, at least on the uh, Smashing Pumpkins side, they were always kind of grouped in here. Paul Westerberg was a real kind of like left field thing. Um, but it still works. And we'll talk about a couple of the other exceptions. Anything else that is kind of notable? Um, I don't know. It's it's really like if someone said, hey, I'm curious about grunge. What should I listen to? <laughs> this might not be in my first three suggestions, but it probably makes the first five. You know, like my first yeah. things are, I would probably say Nirvana, Nevermind, Pearl Jam 10, maybe Alice in Chains Dirt. I was going to say that. And then then single soundtrack might be right there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it weird. makes sense because it is, a, it's, it's, there's some things on here that are kind of tangentially relevant in some way that, I don't know. Don't feel all that relevant, but I see the connection. But it does serve as like a good little sampler of yeah, the, the, the like primarily important bands of that, like including Mud Honey, who kind of yep. were much earlier on and kind of uh, was was doing that sound before it came became a thing, right? Well, so well, we're doing yeah. kind of a proto version of the sound, I think. And, yeah, uh, and you know, like there's Mother Love Bone on here, right? And- right. That predates, so that's the pre-Pearl Jam band, um, mostly. Uh, so <clears throat> I say let's jump into it because we're going to talk about this and we'll talk about all the bands on here and then kind of break it out. Um, let's do it. Track by track, the first song, the opener, Wood by Allison Chains. This was on Dirt, 
correct? Yes, absolutely. Same recording, I think. Yeah, same recording. It's a great song. Um, If you want to hear us talk more about this, check out our Alice in Chains episode. (laughs) No, but um, I think this kicks it off really strong. Like if we're we're listening to this as an album, um, Mm -hmm. this is a great song. I mean, I think it's one of the better songs on that Alice in Chains record. Um, There's a big chorus on it. It's really drum and bass driven in the verse part, which is cool. There's a really intense ending. Um, overall, I just, I think it's like a good encapsulation of that band and it, the sound of it is, you know, was unique at the time, I think in like, they were early to kind of this sound and and they did it really well. So, um, I don't know, nothing but good things to say about this song personally. What do you think? Yeah, I, it's like, is it weird to say this was weird as an opener? to a soundtrack yeah Yeah, i mean it's overall i mean and i'll we'll talk more about it but i don't i don't know that all the pieces here fit together all that well in general um so i don't really know what you kick it off with right but i feel like they just decided for whatever reason to kick it off on the heavier end of the spectrum and in that way like i just think it's a great song so as a result of it being a great song it's a good it's a good enough opener for a soundtrack but I don't know. I could be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I think it's a good enough opener for a soundtrack. It's <clears throat> it's so moody and dark. It's drifty song. It's not uh, Snake Charmer music, but it kind of aims in that thing. <laughs> it is, and this is important, and this is a question I'm going to ask for most of these bands. I think this is a good introduction to the band Alice in Chains. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it's appealing enough to pull in a casual listener who might need to get acclimated to some of the like grimier uh, chance material. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, a great song. Um, I might have liked it more here. Uh, it is a weird song. This song got and I think still does get like alternative radio airplay. Um, <laughs> just a really weird song, and and like. I think would appeal as much to somebody who say a tool fan than it would like a Nirvana fan. You know, it's just kind of, it's got a lot of weird low end for sure bumps in. So yeah, it's a cool song. Um, And that's like that. I mean, to your point, that's like the only kind of low endy song you get on this whole soundtrack really. Uh, yes. Which is interesting. Good point. Okay. Yes. So that's that. And it's so it's sort of weird to start out with that to the rest of this record, you know? So, okay. You know, well, we can soundtrack sequencing on the next. Track. <laughs> All right. Next song, Breathe by Pearl Jam. You kick it off with this one as a fan. It's a really weird Pearl Jam song. <laughs> uh, it's not particularly big room for them. Yeah. I don't think it's showcasing them at their best. But all that said, it's still kind of just in their pocket as far as like, it's like a fastball pitch of the Pearl Jam sound. Yeah. It's right in the mix, but it's not like the best version of that. This is, this is a like, Oh, cool song. If they played this live any point post 1993, I'd be like sort of surprised. I mean, they do weird shit, so they could probably dust anything off, but Sure. This is not my top 30 Pearl Jam songs, Pete. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean this to me it's it's solid, it's unoffensive, but it's like it's like this to me sounds like 10 outtakes. Oh, so yeah, that that's a good call. It very well likely is. Yeah. And at that point um feels a bit <sighs> It's not, I don't want to, I'm going to use this term, but I don't want it to be taken as offensive. It's a bit toss away. And you see this with bands and how they treat compilations, soundtracks, different kind of appearances like that, samplers. Like, are you giving this a really good song because you are looking at it and going, hey, cool exposure? Or are you giving this a like, hey, we just have this extra song laying around. Let's, sure, here you go. <laughs> we, we recorded right. this so that we'd have this kind of availability. Yeah. Um, it's a totally serviceable song, but this is, if there is a single breathing human on earth who says, what's your favorite Pearl Jam song? Breathe. <laughs> I would be 
like like floor weekend at Bernie's level, like on the floor. Like you're gonna have to carry me around for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> so um yeah yeah it's it's fine. It's I said it. Um, I could listen to f- five hours of Pearl Jam uh, before I'd get to being like, oh, let me throw this song on. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, the only thing I'll say, though, is the weird thing with soundtracks is this song is fine, right? It's not a bad Pearl Jam song by any means. It's not nope. a bad song by any means. But nope. like you put it in the context of the movie and I, I don't know where it is in the movie. I haven't rewatched yeah, the movie, same. but but like. I'm sure it's just on in the background and it fills that space and it, it, it does what it's meant to do. That's right. So that's where I'm just like, Hey, well, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, and I like, but, but it's interesting because I actually really like the other Pearl Jam song on this, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So yeah, well that's, yeah, that's a big one. Um, this is not, uh, this is not a great introduction to Pearl Jam. However, it also does showcase what they sound like. You know, it's not like it's not like weird. This is totally out of character. You yeah, know? yeah. No, but, I mean so, it has good energy. It's like I mean it's it's solid, but it's just yeah. not their best example. So all right. Right. Um next track. And talk about sequencing. I'm sorry. Like yeah. weird second song because uh this feels like it would have been on like the 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 late B side of 10 had yes. it made it onto that record or something but yeah like, sorry. like third bonus track level yeah like exactly. not even like first <laughs> bonus track um seasons by chris cornell um so is this the first chris cornell like solo song it probably is huh <sighs> if it's not it's very early i think it is his first one but it, if it's not it's very early regardless. yeah um it's a nice song it's it's layered really nicely it's like it's more of an acoustic um kind of it's an acoustic song. Yeah. Um, it goes on for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and honestly, like we've covered Soundgarden on this podcast. I, I like them just fine, but I'm not a super fan by any stretch. Yeah. So Chris Cornell, you know, kind of long meandering acoustic tracks just are not made for me. Um, that being said, like it's unoffensive. I'm sure it, works fine in the context of the movie, wherever it is in the movie. But like, I'm, I'm not putting this on anytime soon. Personally. Yeah. <sighs> this feels like to me, uh, Chris Cornell vaguely attempting a late era Led Zeppelin song. Yep. Um, you know, in through the outdoor, uh, kind of energy. Um, Which- which there's a lot of Zeppelin energy on this soundtrack, by the oh, way. Oh well, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll get to the very overt stuff. But yeah, yeah this sure. this is really like I'm sort of how do I say this? When you don't like something, but you're still sort of intrigued by it. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly good, but I found myself. I probably I listened to the whole th- soundtrack probably three ish times. But I listened to this one about five or six because I was just trying to get a feel for it and see like how deep is the wave that he was riding with it. Because additionally, this is early in the the Soundgarden career. This is pre um, Super Unknown, right? So I'm kind of like weird. This is just odd that he was starting out doing solo stuff early. If you dig through some of the like singles lore. Um, and there's a 2017 reissue bonus where there's early versions of a bunch of soon to be Soundgarden songs, including Spoon Man, um, that Chris Cornell did solo. rendition of Spoon Man? Yes. Yes. Wow. So, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a, you know, when we, when we inevitably open some sort of Patreon, we'll do the bonus disc. And that's where not only do we go deep on stuff, but we curse a lot and just get totally, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, you need to get super drunk for those episodes. <laughs> like we'll just get, we, ha- we have to loosen up hard on those. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll drink like coffee at 2am or something. Um, <laughs> I don't get too drunk nowadays, but I'll know, do it. Listen, I'll do it for the people, for the know? people we got to do. We got to give them what yeah. they want. <laughs> Uh, the song's not particularly good, but it's interesting and at an interesting time. So, um, yes. Uh, do I think it introduces you properly to Chris Cornell? I don't know. He's a weird fella. 
And certainly, um, I don't think he would have been offended by being like, yeah, it sort of reminds me of a late era Led Zeppelin song. He'd probably be like, fuck yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, cool. Again, the flow of this record is the soundtrack is really all over the place. So, all over the place. All right. Next, next song one. Paul Westerberg, Dyslexic Heart. So this is kind of a bomb, right? Like a little yeah. bit of a banger. Um, yeah. But Paul Westerberg of the Replacements, his first solo material, uh, super catchy pop sensibility. This is the change of pace that no one expected, right? Yeah. Um, I I kind of said this song fits somewhere between Elvis Costello and the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> I could see that. Right. So, uh, which makes sense for a dude coming from the Replacements. Really good song. Uh, is this his biggest post replacements hit? Probably, right? I think so. It's a, it's a really good song. I think it's really good. Yeah, I so. could I could see people being annoyed by like the na na nas, especially replacements fan who for fans who did not want that. Sure. Um, but that being said, I was kind of annoyed by them when I first heard this song years ago and slowly this song just grew on me i really like it now so i don't know i think it's a great song too yeah um super strong start to a solo career that um was ultimately fine i think i don't know i never went that deep but yeah yeah so good song um yeah you've never heard paul westerberg good introduction you never heard the replacements uh maybe not but for yeah. some reason you're really into the song and are like, wow, what, what else is there? Definitely go check out the replacements, you know? For sure. All right. The next one is a uh, cover of Battle of Evermore by Led Zeppelin by the band The Lovemongers. Pete, did you know who The Lovemongers were prior to this episode? I did not. I had to look that one up. Same. Um, so uh, were you surprised when you were told that it was or read that it was Ann and Nancy Wilson from Heart? I was a bit surprised. And then I was more surprised to find that um, I think it was Nancy Wilson was married to Cameron Crowe at the time. So weird. Who directed the movie. I didn't know any of this. So uh, interesting for sure. But uh, the song, I quite honestly do not care about it at all. Um, I This isn't my favorite Zeppelin song. Um, it's not my favorite Zeppelin vibe. Wow. Um, okay. And as, as a result, I really just don't care that much when some members of Heart do it. Although, I mean, I think it's like a it's like a fine rendition of the song. Um, to totally competent. I'm not yeah. mad at it at all. Um, the Lovemongers could have been uh, Jim and Joe off the street, and I would have felt the same way when sure. I thought it was members of Heart. At least, I, I guess I was a little bit tickled. I do truly like this song a lot. Um, and I wasn't offended by it. And that's one of the things where if you are a fan of it, you got to look at a fan of a song. You got to think like, Oh, okay. Does, does, am I bothered by this version of it? No, not at all. It wasn't embarrassing. They didn't, they didn't do anything particularly novel, but they also didn't butcher it. And that counts for a lot in my opinion. So, Odd choice. Odd choice to just throw a Led Zeppelin cover in here. Also, it's a live recording. Kind of cool. All right. And the next song is Mother Love Bone, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns. Pete, what's your Mother Love Bone 
experience? I think that I went down the rabbit hole and listened. To, they just have one album, right? Yeah, I believe so. I listened to it once because I was curious, maybe like within the last 10 years. Yeah. And it didn't do much for me at all. And uh, this song... I honestly really like the intro. I like the piano intro and I like the vibe that they kind of build in the first couple of minutes. Uh-huh. And then it loses me completely. Um, it just kind of bores me to death ultimately. Yeah. It's eight minutes long. Yeah. Um, if you're, <laughs> if you're on Spotify streaming, this song isn't on there. You have to go find it somewhere else. Um, am I, am I being inaccurate to call it, coffee shop Jane's addiction. Yeah. I like that. It's like, it's, it's like, how do I, it's like you ask for a, um, like you think you're getting some like spicy curry dish, (laughs) but instead they, added way too not, too much like coconut milk and it's just milky and you're like i thought this was supposed to have spice and everybody <laughs> else is like it's supposed to and it just doesn't yeah um, i d- probably did a similar thing with mother love bone but way 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 long time ago to the point where i was like oh yeah mother love bone pre pearl jam i was always curious i always wanted to like them their name is mother love bone that's cool and weird as shit <laughs> I don't love I don't love Mother Love Bone. No. <laughs> and this song didn't pull me in. And I don't know that it was a particularly good introduction, but I also uh, it feels so much more mellow than I remember at the very least. So I don't know. It just I mean eight uh, minute song on a soundtrack, cut. man. It's rough. This would be a cut, man. This would be a cut. Yeah, um, there's a few cuts for me. I I guess I haven't said it explicitly, but I'm cutting the love mongers, I'm cutting this. Wow. I'm cutting uh, Chris Cornell, probably. Man, you can't. Oh, geez. Damn. Oh, you're ripping the heart out of this one. Um, Let's move on to the next song, and we'll we'll see if we can salvage this soundtrack with you. Birth Ritual by Soundgarden. So Chris Cornell's second appearance, but his first with Soundgarden. song because i think this song is really good okay um, cool this is a super gnarly like riffing hard soundgarden song like soundgarden has some hard parts this is a hard song yeah it's heavy it's like got a cool noisy guitar lead part i feel like his vocals i'm not that familiar with soundgarden's entire catalog right um sure. but his vocals go a lot higher and are like really like more aggro i think that i'm used to hearing him on this track yeah um there's really good movement on the song um it loses it only loses a few points because it just goes on for a bit too long like i feel like this could have been a three and a half minute long banger and just been like like been that much stronger for it but yeah but i think it's a great song many of these bands in this time frame definitely had um trouble with ending the track we'll say that yeah Um, so um yeah it's cornell's voice is so pitchy here it's so up um the song is a touch too long but i like how gnarly i I used the word gnarly before this is just like kind of an ugly weird song i kind of think it's a good introduction to soundgarden because you get chris cornell's voice doing some wild stuff yeah you get a kind of riff heavy like you said the song's moving 
it's far from the best or my favorite Soundgarden song, but it is a good introduction to the band. Agreed. Uh, let's get to one of the best songs on the entire soundtrack, State of Love and Trust by Pearl Jam. Great song. Um, and I say that as like not a huge Pearl Jam fan, but I think it's uh, it's also just gets points for being less than four minutes, which on this soundtrack is hard to come by. Um, but the song really moves. The chorus is great. The vocal delivery on it is great. Um, this is like a game early Pearl Jam, I think. And like this could have been on 10 and it would have been a hit. Uh, yes, would have been one of the best songs on 10. Yeah. This is a top 10 Pearl Jam track. Easily total burner. Um, I am a Pearl Jam fan. You won't find me saying, no, that Pearl Jam song kind of just like just rips and moves through you. Even if you're a Pearl Jam fan, it's like, I wouldn't totally say that their songs just go. This song goes. This is just like, not just is this a really good Pearl Jam song. This is a great introduction to the band. So if you haven't enjoyed Pearl Jam or for some reason have never heard them, State of Love and Trust is a great place to start. Um, You get a flavor for them, but it's possibly their most inoffensive version of themselves. Yeah. For sure. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think we said it all. Great song. Yep. Next song. song, Overblown by Mudhoney. So weird song, but it makes a lot of sense to me in the in the context of this soundtrack. Like I feel like Mm. I feel like you'd be missing something if you didn't include Mudhoney on this. Um, It's much more lo-fi and it's much more like garage rock than grunge rock yes but it's i think it i think it really works and i think it's almost important in the context of the soundtrack because it's like oh this is kind of where that sound came from in a way and mud honey you know this song sounds like it's 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 straddling that fence of of garage rock and grunge rock um so i don't know i mean i i i, I like the song just fine. I've never been like a huge Mudhoney fan. Um, Same. I've never disliked them, but I just, they never grabbed me the way that they grab other people. Um, I always wanted to like them even more. Yeah, and, same. and there's been moments where I've been like, okay, yo, the first time I listened to this, it felt like this is Mudhoney just doing a toss away song. Like a, here you go. Sure. However, subsequent listens, I was like, Wait a second. Let me let me give this again. This one's not on the streaming version of the single's soundtrack. If you find it, I think this song is on streaming, but you just have to go dig around for it. Lyrically, this is meta commentary about the attention being given to the Seattle grunge scene. Yeah, and that's really cool, and it's kind of funny to place it here. So I kind I enjoyed that about it. Sonically, this is kind of a good introduction to Mud Honey when I think about it. I think so. To me, it's fuzzy. It's like a, a post SST records, proto seventies rock riffing, but really feels like a precursor to me of a lot of the late nineties, like rocking stoner, heavy guitar riff songs, like mm-hmm. and, and bands. So, um, yeah, I think it would not would not be giving seattle 1990 1991 appropriate due if mud honey wasn't on here um and and i appreciate it more and more as i listen to it i think the lyrics at first are kind of like wait what's going on here but then you realize like this is truly kind of a like poke in the eye at how big the grunge thing was getting in the conversation right it was like hey we've kind of been here doing this (laughs) For a and little now, bit you know? yeah. yeah now it's getting attention hmm, weird so right a uh, cool song a song i would have cut after if i listened to this once but is absolutely a keeper now yeah no i like this one i'm keeping this one yeah um next track may this be love by Jimi hendrix seattle native Jimi hendrix which is the relevant conversation piece here Through, I have nothing to lose. 
maybe all that makes this song relevant right yep. i mean yep. it's it's a uh, it's a cool song i mean i like Jimi hendrix this is like one of his vibier you know kind of mellow hazy stony songs yep um it's not the best version of this by Jimi hendrix but it's you know like who doesn't enjoy some Jimi hendrix but it's it, it is a funny inclusion yeah it's it's strange um my question was does this ex- did this expose people to him feels like a crazy question to me but I bet there's people listening to this podcast who don't listen to Jimi Hendrix. Sure. I'm, I mean, there definitely are. Which is crazy to me, man. Crazy. Dude, Jimmy rocks. Yeah. We need to do a Jimi Hendrix record. We should do a Jimi Hendrix record. Pete and I bonded over Jimi Hendrix well over 20 years ago, guys. So That's true. That's true. About. Um, yo, good song. Cool that it's on here. Feels out of place, but still works. Yeah. Jimmy's cool. Check him out. Um, is Paul Westerberg next? No. Uh, oh, you know what? We it skip w- Paul Westerberg. Paul Westerberg is actually before Jimi Hendrix. So, okay. Backtracking, Waiting for Somebody by Paul Westerberg. I love the song. I think I, I like. I think I like it more than Dyslexic Heart. Whoa! I know. Um, I felt like this was the B side of Dyslexic Heart. That's fair, but like I thought I, it was a good follow-up. It almost feels like an odd like bookend to it. It's yeah. good. I think it's good. Wow, more than dyslexic heart. I think you're you're nuts, but you also just might be a huge replacements fan. I think well, I am a huge replacements fan, but I also um I th- like just because this is so top of mind and I've been listening to it this week. Right. This song has been stuck in my head for most of that time. So I think that I'm wow. just kind of um I'm I'm uh I'm uh, I'm stuck on this song at the moment, and if you what ask me in a month, what pulled you in on this song that didn't? Maybe you didn't get pulled in on as much on dyslexic heart. I don't know. I think it's just like the the pace of it. Okay. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's been stuck in my head like no other. So, um, I'm really into it at the moment. Ask me in a month, it might be different. But um, great song. All right. Highlight. Pete, uh, now then, then the Jimi Hendrix song, and then "Nearly Lost You" by Screaming Trees. So, how do you feel about the Screaming Trees in general? How familiar are you? Are you uh, lightly? Um, wish I liked them more than I actually do. When I've gone to them, I just it mostly washes over me with a couple highlights. I feel the same way, um, and this song made me want to go deeper on them again because I think it's really good. Mark Lanigan had a great voice. Who knew? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I really like, I really, really enjoyed this song every time it came on, every time I listened to this soundtrack and it made me want to like the screaming trees even more because again, I like you, I've tried in the past, but it made me want to revisit them again. I mean, there's good energy on it. The guitar leads are cool. The drum breaks are cool. Like it's just, it's a good yes. song. The chorus is unbelievable. Yeah. Pete, this is the best song on the soundtrack. Wow. Um, the, I nearly, I nearly lost you. That It's fucking, it, uh, it gets a hard curse word from me. It's great. <laughs> it is great. I challenge anyone to listen to this and not, be pulled in by the tempo, by the pacing, and by how the chorus hits and how it comes in. It's really yeah. peak, it's peak drama in a guitar song. It's like, yo, look, the verses are fine, totally just serviceable, like literally serviceable. The chorus is so big and it hits so well. Um, uh, a, a funny, weird litmus test is my son is eight, um, going on nine. Uh, and there's songs he's picked. He picks up on. Uh, he loves "Shout" by Tears for Fears. Okay. He loves, there's a handful of other songs he really, really likes. Um, he loves this song. Uh, uh, you know, in preparation, 
for listening. But this is also this song is on several like playlists I've made for myself. Um, oh, interesting. I just think it's a really, really good song. And it's the best song on here. It's the best Screaming Trees song by far. So great so you're song. you're a long time fan of this, this song. Love this song. Love this song. And it's, it's the reason I've ever come to this uh, soundtrack besides State of Love and Trust. Straight into Love and Trust is what really brought me to the soundtrack. But this is the one that keeps me there. Got it. All so, right. I'm putting Screaming Trees on the playlist. Do it. Get it to it. They have too many albums. God damn it. I thought they had had like a simple discography. No, no, no. no. They don't make it easy. It's never easy. Let's wrap it up. One song left. The Closer. Smashing Pumpkins Drown. this is a top song in the soundtrack not the top song but i think this is one of my favorites easily in the top three maybe maybe the second best song behind nearly lost you to me it could be i'm putting it over state of love and trust which is crazy right now i think i would too actually want my want my hot take go for it this is maybe isolated the best smashing pumpkin song (laughs) which which people go no what about uh you know today's the greatest you know or like tonight tonight or 1979 ba 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 i think drown has all the elements of everything i want from a smashing pumpkin song without any of the bullshit i don't want yeah um, which, is, me, which is which is interesting also, because it's so long and like there's so yeah. much there's so much to it it, they keep me there for the song. There, there's a little bit of the big guitar noodling towards the end. Yeah, but I think that's that's you wanted Smashing Pumpkins, you got Smashing Pumpkins. That's part of who what makes them the band. But it's not as noodly like it's no. It's, it's, it's they like, keep it into it. It's they like keep that it in a noisiness pocket. that they yes. that they want to be mm-hmm. on, like mm-hmm. you know, melancholy mm-hmm. when we covered it. Yes, but but they do it kind of in this unpretentious yes this, way this, on this, this kind of has an there despite the song the song isn't short there still feels like to me an efficacy to what they do with it yeah um they do some of the like textured textured you know soft to rough um, there's there's a just a little bit of quiet loud but not a lot of quiet loud but there's some soft to rough yeah um the drums stand out on this song actually the drums are killer on this killer yeah really really good um he's on fire yeah and and i think corgan's right in the right place for his vocal range yeah um with you know we did that uh melancholy deep dive not that long ago so it's still sort of fresh in mind that he pushes out around the edges and gets more angular and gets kind of jarring at spots. And sometimes it really works. Sometimes it doesn't work. His vocals are perfect on this one. If you like Billy Corgan's vocals, you will say, yep, this is him at his best. Yeah. This is also, I think a good introduction to smashing pumpkins. I think so too. Um, so just to backtrack, I think Screaming Trees nearly lost you is a great introduction to them. It's their best song, but maybe it's misleading you a bit. <laughs> uh, their choruses are rarely that big. Yeah. May This Be Love is maybe not the best Jimi Hendrix intro, but it's you get a good feel for some of his quieter material. Sure. Overblown does feel like a good Mod Honey intro. But, um, but yeah, Drown, Smashing Pumpkins. Crazy that this is hidden at the end. Um doesn't totally fit as a closer but what are you gonna do it's a soundtrack yeah yeah i mean the the 
the uh, track list here is strange, but we'll just let them have that because it's a soundtrack and it's a soundtrack and there can be, I am leaving the door open that there are soundtracks that have much better flow, but we're also not going to hold it against this, this too, too hard just in conversation. Yeah. I think this is, it sort of starts in one place. Second half of this record's better than the first half. Um, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. So it's just awesome. Uh, let's, let's rate this thing out. Let's do it. Holistic quality. The overall, is this good out of 20? Overall, is this good? I'm going to give it a 13. I give it a, I give it a 14. Why? Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. It's not great. Not, not there completely are necessary, but there's yeah. some moments. Yes. Yeah. Good, good way to put it. Uh, the highs of this record out of 10. Um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a seven. I give it an eight. Okay. <laughs> I really like the highs. Um, but you know, it's a soundtrack. So, um, the lows out of 10, I give it a four. Uh, I might go lower than that. I'll give it a three. Okay. You're just trying to get one point lower than me on each category here. Well, you were one point higher. You're, you That's know, what hey. I mean. I know what I'm saying. Uh, competency and peer review. How does this hold up? I gave this a 7 out of 10. It could be argued that it could go even higher. But what I factored in, I think I should clarify, these are titans of their game. You don't have Nirvana, mm-hmm. which is the, the big, big, big boy here. But I'm also comparing against... Uh, the material of these bands. Um, Alice in Chains Wood isn't their best song, but it's a good song. Soundgarden, there's better songs, but it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, State of Love and Trust, many people's favorite Pearl Jam song. Uh, I don't know that Overblown's the best Mud Honey song. So I, I, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 to say really competent, high-level stuff, but not always their best uh, best stuff. Yeah, I'm... God, I'm going to give it a five um, mm-hmm. just because I like the good comes with the bad. I mean, you have one of the better Pearl Jam songs, and then you have a song that leaves no impression on anybody. And then you have, you know, a good Soundgarden song that's not their best. But then you also counteract that with like an acoustic song that is fine. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm in the middle on this one. I'm going to go to five. Okay. Um Drag factor out of 10. Uh, dragged a little bit. Yep. So I'm going to give it a five here too. I gave it a six. Jesus, Pete. Um, yeah, it drags. <laughs> it, it moves. The second half of it helps. It picks up a bit. Business picks up. The middle. Um, the live cover into the eight minute mother love bone is. Uh, Chore-ish, but I do love Battle of Evermore. So even a cover I'm not offended by, I'm okay with. Uh, the flow. What do you give the flow out of 10? You know what? I'm going to go hard on this one. I'm going to give it a one because when I really think about it, I don't, I feel like they just had the tracks and we're like, hey, all we need to do here is split up. When we have two tracks by the same band, we just need to split them. And that's like all they really did. (laughs) So I I just, I give it a one. (laughs) I gave it a two. Um, I actually had it a little higher, but as I was going through, I'm like, none of this really makes any sense particularly. Yeah. And even on a literal how the sound flows, it could be better. So this might be a hard category for soundtracks, but we're not, we're not going to go easy on them. You know, that matters. But I mean, to Um, your point before, that nails it. Could re- I mean, yo, you know what? I'm thinking of stuff like Flash Gordon soundtrack. I'm thinking of like there's soundtracks that really put it to it and make it a uh, a, a note. And yeah, it's, it's really good. So fuck it. No, people have done it much better than this. So that's that's why I'm willing to be harsh about it. Hell yeah. Um, aesthetic out of ten. I mean, aesthetic. I don't. I mean, we're talking soundtrack. about the cover, which is the basically the movie poster. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's fine. I'll give it a three. Wow, you're so <laughs> harsh, dude. All right. We gotta we we're gonna talk you up on that. Let's talk about this. 
One, it has the weird typewriter font. Yep. That became sort of a like signature of the time. Think about like the MTV news, like boom, 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 boom. It's yeah, down yeah. in the typewriter font. Absolutely. So could be considered aesthetically influential. Two, it's like a uh, saturated tone, like two-tone color. Um, so you have the the white and then kind of this deep, deep blue that's not quite black. Maybe I guess there's a black in there, but it's a blue saturation. Um, <sighs> dude's forehead is killing me in that image. Like it really, <laughs> it's really, really tough. You know, uh, what's his name? It's... Um, uh, uh, Matt Dillon, his forehead in this is killing me. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, you got the guitar. You're not even saying this is 50%. No, you're, you're right. All right, I'll give it a four. All right, I'm giving it a five. Because <laughs> um, it's 50% there. Um, impact and influence out of 10. I mean, I got to give it... I got to give it up on this one. I feel like... Uh, pretty important. It's pretty important. The tracks are there. I'm going to give it a seven. I give it an eight. Jesus Christ, Pete. This is like literally insane. I have these written down. I'm looking at it. <laughs> I don't. I'm doing yeah. this off the cuff. Off All right. The cuff. Um, and intangible, et cetera, out of 10. I gave it a six out of 10. I, a couple tracks I really love. Um, Say to Love and Trust, Nearly Lost You, Drown. I think those are three really, really good songs. And then there's a second tier of songs. I think that um, Wood is a great song. I really like Dyslexic Heart. Um, birth ritual is not a terrible song overblown is interesting so uh, this is cool um, it doesn't mean anything totally personally to me um, I have more fondness for the soundtrack than the movie so six okay six I was actually going to give it a higher score on this I was going to go eight just because give it the eight dude I've 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 when people are excited about this soundtrack that I've talked to, they're so excited about it. Um, I feel like it's really like it just had that impact on people. It didn't have that did. impact on me clearly, but like it didn't. <laughs> yeah, it just it. Uh, I don't know. There's something there. It spoke to people at a time. Um, people still seem to revere it in this big way. So yeah, I'll give it an eight. Okay, uh, for me that total came out to sixty out of one hundred, which feels right on for me. Okay. For me, I, I a, actually, yeah, what are you at? I, I'm at a 53. Oh, how do you feel? Does that feel like it's a little low for you? You feel like that's right on? I think it's a little low, but I'm I'm more or less okay with it because when I think about it, like I'm really, if, if I'm making like a mixtape, I'm putting like four or five of these tracks on there maybe. Yeah, yeah. So about, yeah, a little like half-ish. Yeah, I'm half-ish. So. Yeah, that feels right. Um, yeah. Let's let's turn it back. Timelessness. Does this strictly exist in a time and place? Or does its impact and influence spread much further? Yo, this wow. record, this this really matters to people, but this is very much of a time and place. Very much time and place. That doesn't yeah. even mean a diss. It's just very much of a time and place. Yep. Yep. Um, are you adding it to your rec- your personal collection? If I found this on vinyl with all those bonus tracks you're talking about with the spoon man acoustic song. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pay $15 for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I gotta be honest. I'm not adding this to my collection. Uh, there's probably no original vinyl for it. Maybe there was an import, you know? Um, no, I like it more than you maybe, but I'm still, I don't need it in my collection. Yo, yeah. what about the length of this? The original is 64 minutes. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's there's some long tracks on this. Yeah, you're not wrong. That that eight minute mother love bone is a, is a thing. I'll say that. Um, a lot of six minute songs on this. I know. So here's here are songs that were used in the movie but not included in either edition of its soundtrack. Three Days by Jane's Addiction, Little Girl by Muddy Waters, Dig for Fire by the Pixies, Radio Song by REM, Blue Train by. Yeah, I know. Blue Train by John Coltrane. Family Affair by Sly and the Family Stone. And uh, She Sells Sanctuary by the Cult. And Jinx by Tad. Um, Okay. The the bonus tracks are interesting, mostly for the Chris Cornell stuff. 
and the actual uh, Touch Me, I'm Dick, Citizen Dick song. So, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I feel like Tad is the only one that you listed that would have actually fit on this. Um, James terms Addiction. Of, in, yeah, James Addiction too. But I REM, mean, yeah. REM, the, the REM parallel to grunge is something we need to talk about at some point. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm a part of it, but they were so, so kind of like, they had a, they, if you liked grunge, you could like the vibe of REM, the tone, the kind of like weird depressiveness. It was really popular, but it was also not grunge. No, but you're then, not wrong. I'm just thinking. Know, I'm just thinking about like what was actually happening in the Seattle scene at the time. Like Tad, no, were, you're right. You're right. Tad, Tad, Tad were you're like right. the band. Like apparently, you know, I wasn't there, but apparently, the band that people were always talking about that everyone wanted to be that just never really caught on. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Interesting that they left them off, or maybe that was Tad's choice. Who knows? Yeah. Um. Well, uh, Pete, we've done another stroll down Seattle way. Uh, where can people send us their lovely emails? We love your emails. We read all of them. We respond we to all of them. We do. And we have a mailbag coming up. So um, mm. write us emails at trackspot at gmail.com. And Pete, where should they follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram? Twitter and Instagram at trackspot. Easy peasy. Everybody, have a great week. Goodbye. Goodbye.